Well, good morning again. It's great to be able to come together, even if we're doing it on live stream. But I want to just bring the Bible reading to you, which is the same one as we had last Sunday, which is from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun, it shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, and as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the, to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. <clears throat> then Joshua <coughs> excuse me. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare, prepare provision for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, our God, that it will bring fresh revelation and understanding and grace and, and love into what we would say today. Anoint my thoughts and my, my words, I pray. And Father, if there's anything that I say that is not from you, just cast it out of our minds that we might only understand those things that you have to say to us this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last Sunday, we, we looked at the possibilities of connecting people uh, to each other in various ways. And I, I remember I brought Alicia up to talk about this portable coffee machine that can be used to connect people uh, through playgroup, through kids club, youth group, plus a number of other activities, not only associated with the church, but also in the community as well. We then heard from uh, Brendan about commencing a community garden, which is still in the planning stages, where again, there's that opportunity of connecting people together, old and young even. And thank you for those ones that did respond to, to Brendan, particularly uh, after last Sunday. You know, I, I just heard this past week of a couple not living in Kerrang, who are, who are going to launch out in faith and buy a prayer van or a prayer bus, whichever you'd like to call it, so that they can go around from place to place 
praying for people. And I know these particular two have a wonderful uh, prayer ministry, and I know that they are watching again this morning. But I, and I know as they watch, uh, I want them to keep me up to date with what you are doing and where you're going, because I know that there are places where I'd love you to come and minister to as well. Also, Nicole, I sat with Nicole this past week with some great ideas of, of school meals and mentoring and homework helping. Just give her a call and she'll fill you in on some other details of the possibilities of her dream of what she can do. Folks, often in our churches, unfortunately, we allow the finances to govern our dreams from stepping out in faith. It needs to be the opposite way around. We need to step out in faith, believing that God will supply. Jesus said, seek me first, the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. So often we just kind of doubt that word, but God is true to his promises. Now, let me tell you of another dream, a lot closer to home than the ones that we've been sharing over these last uh, couple of weeks. But from the early age of 15, this young boy always wanted to be a preacher. Uh, he certainly didn't know how that would unfold in his life in any form at all. Like Monty from last week, he didn't like school. And the best thing that this young man ever did was to leave school, absolutely leave school and start work, which he did at the age of 15. They had no television, no radio. He was not allowed to play uh, con competitive sport, and he certainly wasn't allowed to go to any other church. That was a big no-no. He dreamed of preaching in places that, that he'd actually only heard about. So growing up in his tradition, as, we, he, as he came to particularly understand, that didn't seem possible at all. It was just a dream. But God is the instigator of dreams. I want to say that again, church, that God is the instigator of dreams. Every Saturday night, this young man would go over to the local cricket ground and he would get up on the scoreboard platform and he would practice preaching as if he was up on a platform in a church. He did that many, many times over that year, simply asking God to fulfill his dream. He eventually preached his first, church, his first sermon at his local church. Obviously, he didn't go down too well because they never invited him to preach again. But he was in his mid-20s when he wrote a letter to a Bible college out, out of interstate, which was a minor miracle in itself, <laughs> to say the least, because he didn't like study. But he said that he would be coming in the new year. Study was not his favorite pastime at all. It was about this time that he met a young lady, which became quite serious from his perspective anyway, became quite serious. So he rang the Bible college and informed them that he would not be coming. About two months later, this lovely young lady decided to call off this relationship. So he wrote back to the Bible college and told him that, sorry, but he's now coming. A week later, that same young lady rang him and said that she had made a mistake and wanted to get back together again. <laughs> so again, he wrote back to the Bible college and said, I'm sorry, but I can't come. Talk about a cork on a, on a sea, as it says in James. Thankfully, God had other plans for him. And he went to a Bible college some four years later in the, in the same state. But he had this firm conviction. <laughs> 
that if you are where God wants you to be, he will bring the right person into your life. And boy, did he do that. This girl has been his rock and prayer partner for now over 52 years. You know, at the age of 30, after preaching at a Youth for Christ rally in Geelong, he was invited to be, to be a part of the staff. And that gave him quite a lot of preaching engagements. In fact, that he, he preached in a lot of places. But he kept asking the Lord, when, Lord? When is it going to happen? Even though he had preached in, as I said, in most churches in that city at the time, there was something that was still missing, something in this dream that was still missing. He had no desire to be a pastor of any church, but the Lord had other plans for him as well. Then came the dream killer. And I want to say, folks, often this happens when you have a dream that you understand is from the Lord. There's a dream killer that will come along. And this dream killer was, uh, was, was in this situation. And what had happened, he had, uh, they had organized a particular major crusade and they invited a preacher from the UK to be the principal speaker. And I want to say he was good. He was good. He was, he was dreaming as he watched this, this man preach that maybe, maybe one day, one day he could too preach like that, not just in Geelong, but maybe even in a state and, well, even maybe overseas. You know, at the end of that two-week crusade, they were, they were well, uh, were all assembled together as a committee, kind of just celebrating the great two weeks that they're having having supper together, and this young man was talking to the preacher. And, he, and the preacher looked at me and he said, Paul, I believe that the Lord is showing me that you will never be a great preacher or travel to preach. I was devastated, to say the least. The worst part about it was that I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Unfortunately, on that day, I listened to the wrong voice, the dream killer. I wonder, who are you listening to today? Who are you listening to today? Instigated, the one that instigated the dream or the dream killer? Which one are you listening to? Maybe there is someone today and you too have listened to the wrong voice and it killed your dream. I decided the word that he had spoken over me was a wrong prophetic word, and certainly not from the Lord. In fact, I would say it was probably a pathetic word. It was interesting time for me because the Lord reminded me also of a word that he had given to me by an elder in my church that came over to me after I had spoken at the service. And he said, Paul, I believe that the Lord has called you to be a John the Baptist. You will go in and prepare the way for those to follow. You know, at the time, it didn't quite make sense. But now it's, it's coming to focus. Eventually, I had people pray over me that God would turn that negative into a positive, And he did. You see, a wrong prophetic word can actually become a curse. It actually can become a curse. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took the curse 
took the curse on himself for all of us. And then on the third day, it says that he rose again and he conquered the grave, the curse, and it's broken once and for all. And I'm here today because of a dream and a broken curse. It really was prophetic, word of God, because that has been a major part of my ministry. I've seen myself over a number of many years now as a John the Baptist going into places and preparing the way. I've done that for 43 years. Since then, I've been around the countryside. I've been overseas to Bali preaching, and the rest is history. Let me say this very simply from the word of God. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Hear me when I say that again, church. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Why? Because you're a child of God. You're a child of the living God. Plus a father looks after his children. Well, the heavenly father does. Not sure sometimes about our earthly fathers, but our heavenly father will look after you every single moment of the day. My friends, if he can take a young boy who failed school, found out years later that he had dyslexia, physically abused by teachers and bullied by other kids at school and place a dream in his heart for ministry, then he can do it for you. He can do it for you. What's your dream? What's your dream? So last Sunday we saw from the passage in Joshua chapter 1, firstly, the challenge of the unfulfilled dream. Then secondly, we saw to strike out across the Jordan. Thirdly, we need to pitch our tents alongside a changing and a moving community. And then fourthly, as we finished last week, our mission is to be the pioneers of the ongoing purposes of God. And so today, to finish off fifthly, but finally, we have the promise of his unfailing presence. I love that. The promise of his unfailing presence. This was the beginning of a totally new life for Joshua. God was beginning to fulfill in him his dream, the dream that God had placed within him that one day he would be a great leader. For the past 40 years, he had been Moses' assistant just taking orders. Now after 40 years, he's being called upon to make major decisions that would affect the whole nation, the entire nation. Maybe your vision, the vision that you have, the dream that you have could affect the nation. It could even affect this church that you're a part of or the congregation that you're a part of as as you watch today. He was being called upon to assume leadership for several million people. Now, that would be daunting at any time, but God had given him a dream. God had given him a dream, and Joshua now was no coward, but in the natural, he was afraid of such an awesome responsibility. May I say to the leadership of this church, you may be afraid to make some of the decisions that you are looking at to embark upon and the awesome responsibility that it may entail. But you have a promise from God. You have a promise from God that the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in you. 
and in May. I know as a leadership, you've got some major decisions to make in the coming days. I know that. But don't be afraid because God is with you. He will raise it up within you and allow you to make those with great, great confidence. So God gave Joshua a promise based upon a condition. Look at verse 3. Note carefully, it, it was every place that you Every, every place the sole of your foot treads upon, I have given to you. So in other words, we need to step onto it. We need to step into our dream. We need to step into the promised land. If you don't, then God can't bless it. But as you step in, he said, I, the promise is I will give it to you. Now, there are several places in Scripture where we are told that people remove their shoes from off their feet. Why? Because they sense that they are on holy ground. On holy ground. In other words, they were recognizing the presence of a holy God. Now, the condition was if Joshua would humbly and reverently recognize the presence of God and act in relation to that presence, then God's promise to him wasn't. Look at verse 5. No man shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. So as I stand into that presence, as I move into that place that God has prepared for me, as I place my soul upon the, the very ground that is holy ground, God will bless it. He will bless it, and no one will be able to stand against you. They will try, but I want to tell you, ultimately, they won't succeed. It's always good to fulfill the, the promises of God. Amen. In other words, the possibility of keeping the people moving in the right direction was, was dependent upon his own realization of the presence of God. As a leader, we've got to understand the presence of God. I saw this great quote this week. When you enter his presence with praise, he enters your circumstances with power. I love that. I love that. When we enter into his presence with thanksgiving, with praise, he enters your circumstances. I love that. It's the same with any church. When we move in praise, dependent upon his very presence, the spirit will move powerfully in our midst. It's not just about singing songs, but moving in his presence collectively, collectively. So it's just not coming to church, oh, let's sing a couple of songs, listen to a, a sermon and go home. No, it's, it's saying, I want to be collectively in the presence of God. We can do that individually. Of course we can. But there's something special. There's something of an anointing of God that comes upon a congregation when we come together. And it's, it's sad when I know there are times when I haven't turned up to church for whatever reason it might be. There's something I miss. I miss that, that presence of, of, of the collectiveness of, of the family of God. God's presence is only experienced by his people who keep moving in the direction he wants us to go. Turn with me to John chapter 12 and verse 26, and it'll be up on the screen. If anybody serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anybody serves me, him my father will honor. 
Now, notice again what it says in the middle of the verse. Where I am, there shall my servant be. Not where my servant is, there I shall be. Do you notice the difference in that? So God is saying, if you want to be in my presence, you've got to be where I am. Not necessarily my, you know, you go over there and get out of fellowship or do whatever, expect my presence to be with you. No, he says, if you want it, you need to be where I am. How often do we do something or go somewhere or even make certain plans for our lives, then kind of put a PS on the end of it? Oh, God, will you, uh, will you bless it? You know, many times our plans and goals are where, from where we are, not necessarily from where God is. Now, let me just say this, that there will be many times in your life where you'll be required to step out in faith with God because faith doesn't become operable until you do. Like Peter walking on the water. If he hadn't stepped out, there was no faith. But in faith, he stepped onto the water. But if you are consistently walking with the Lord and enjoying his presence, then he said, I am with you. I will not leave you and no one will be able to stand against you. Even Satan himself. That's why Jesus was able to say to Peter after he had fulfilled all the conditions, you are my rock. You are my rock, Peter, and upon you I will build my church and I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Listen to this because it will come up later. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Who did he give the keys to? Yeah, he gave them to Peter and ultimately to us, the church. But Satan has stolen from many people who are a part of the church. And it's up to us and the authority in Jesus' name to get those keys back again. They belong to Jesus, but he's given them to us, the keys of the kingdom. Church, when we know and understand our position in God, we too will be able to storm the very gates of hell. Let me say very clearly to you today, if you want to go further with God, you've got to go deeper. If you want to go further with God, you've got to go deeper. And there are so many ways that we can do that. It's not just saying, oh, you've got to pray more. Oh, you've got to read your Bible more. They're all good things. They are great things, and they will help you. But there are other ways in which we do that, by connecting with him, by intimacy. If I want to know my wife better, I need to spend more time with her. And sometimes we can, we can be driving for two or three hours and only say a certain amount of words. We don't go into conversation all the time. But our intimacy is there. We kind of get to the stage where we start to think like each other. We sometimes finish each other's sentences because we've got that intimacy. So many people, people find time to, to do everything else but to do those things, to read his word, to pray, to spend time with him. Friends, don't, come, don't just come for a, an hour and a half maybe on a Sunday morning and that's not enough. It's a 24-7 relationship that we have with Jesus. The Apostle Paul came to the undeniable position where he was able to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God. It's the power of God under salvation. Folks, this could be the most exciting time in the life of Kerrang Baptist Church's history. God is calling his church to arise, just like he said to a Joshua, to do battle. 
and to march forward victoriously. And I just want to say here that tonight, tonight at 6 o'clock till 7 o'clock, we're actually having a prayer time, but it's not just going to be an ordinary prayer time. We're going to go into battle. We're going to battle for victory. We're going to battle against the enemy. And I'm going to encourage you, as you do come, bring a verse of Scripture that God has shown you over maybe your lifetime, but recently, of how you come up against the devil. Think of a verse. I want you to come along tonight at 6 o'clock, and we're going to share those verses and pray them into the kingdom so that we can fight against the, the enemy. <laughs> There's a sense where he wants you to leave the, the old generation behind of wandering in the wilderness and to grasp hold of this Joshua generation. What the devil wants for you to stay in the wilderness. What God is wanting you to arise and let's move out of the wilderness and into this Joshua generation that's going to storm the gates of hell. That's a generation that was able to look forward to the promise of God without bringing up the bondages and the, and the memories of the past. You see, in Genesis, we see God choosing men. In Exodus, we see God redeeming men. In Leviticus, we see God calling men. In Numbers, we see God speaking to men. In Deuteronomy, we see God commanding men. But in Joshua, we see God conquering through men. That's what he wants for us, to be able to conquer the enemy through us in the name of Jesus. It's time to start taking hold of the promises of God to send renewal, to send revival, and simply, simply receive it. It's time to start dreaming. It's time to let God fulfill that dream that he has placed into the life and release it un unto himself. It's time to go over. In other words, to step out in faith and receive what he has given to you. It's time. It's time to get from where you have been. It's time to leave the past behind and move into the dream plans that God has for you. We need to step into it. It's time to leave the old way of doing things behind and move on. In verse 3, we see that God is telling Joshua that it's time. Time to move from the living on a promise because it's time to move into possessing that which God has promised, has given to you. Church, I believe that is what the, the Lord requires of each of us. It's time to step over the line and receive what the Lord has for us in faith and take it with courage. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, for I'm about to do something new. Don't you see it? Don't you see it, folks? Don't you see what God is trying to break forth to birth, even within our fellowship, but I believe within our nation as well? Sometimes that's hard to understand because so many things have happened in my life or some particular church has offended me or affected me. It's hard to leave it behind. But, folks, we need to. We need to. Because I firmly believe if you want to find the new thing that God has for you, you must release the past. If you want to find the new thing that God's got for you, folks, you need to release the past. Maybe that means swallowing my pride. Maybe that means saying sorry, even when I think that I haven't done anything wrong. Remember a few weeks ago I said that the greatest tool Satan uses is that he isolates us. And he does. He isolates us from friends. 
He isolates us from family. He isolates us from church and so on. And we find ourselves in the desert, lonely, thirsty for friendships, dried up, even bitter. But my Bible says, I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Did you notice that he didn't say, look, I'll just take you out? He didn't say that. He didn't even say that the road leads out. He said, I will make a road in the wilderness. So in other words, I need to get onto the road, and God shows the next step. Don't let the dream buster cause you to walk in the wilderness like I did for 10 years. Don't let unforgiveness rob you of freedom. Don't let bitterness rule your life. Let God bring that dream that he's placed within you and to bring it to reality. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the fact that you have placed so much into our lives. Lord, you've sown your grace and your love and your forgiveness. But, Lord, you've also placed a dream, a vision, whichever word we want to use. You've placed it with each and every one of our lives, Lord. And, Lord, I just want you to, to, to get people to let it spring forth. And I know that's, that's, that's a job that for each of us individually have to do, to release it and say, Lord, I'm going for it. I'm going to arise. I'm going to get up. I'm not going to sit around any longer, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. I'm going to arise because I'm going to stop the enemy from, from beating me down. I'm going to stop, stop the dream killers from stopping my dream from coming forth. Oh, God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in our fellowship here. But I thank you for what you're doing in other churches who are watching even this uh, telecast today. God, would you touch our lives afresh? Lord, would you do it again as we've been praying consistently over these last two weeks? Lord, do it again. Do it again. Let the fire fall, Lord Jesus. Let the river start to flow. God, we want to see revival in this time. We don't want to just read about it, but we want to see it, Lord, in reality. God, would you do it? Would you do it, Lord? You said if we ask, you would do it. So come on, Lord, we're asking right now, would you send revival? Touch our hearts afresh this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What a beautiful time to be able to go from being challenged by the word of God into, into a beautiful time of communion. I love communion, being brought up on communion. Um, and uh, we used to do it every Sunday, but I understand that uh, in some churches that's a little bit different. And that's okay. The Bible says as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so today we have the cup and we have the bread uh, on the table here. And I just want to... Uh, share a little tiny story that I read oh, probably a number of years ago now. It's kind of a novel thing or in novel form, but I, I just sense the power of it. There was a, a discussion that was, that was going on in, in the office in hell, Satan's office in hell, and he was telling his fallen angels that Jesus was now dead. He was all puffy. You know, Jesus is dead. I've, I've won. And he was telling his fallen angels about that but he wanted to make sure 
He wanted to make sure that this body would not be stolen and they could, they could say that he'd risen again and all this type of junk that was going around. He said to one of the angels called discouragement, go and see the disciples, see what they are doing and scatter them. Get them so disillusioned, so discouraged that they'll just, you know, move out. To another angel called death, he said, I want you to go to the tomb where he is and destroy anybody that comes near. Now go and report back. The next day, the fallen angels were in the office when Satan walked in and he saw them in absolute fear and and trembling. And Satan asked them, what's the problem? The angel of discouragement explained that Jesus' disciples were were all together and they're singing and, and praising God. Did you go in and discourage them? I tried to, but they didn't respond to me. Get out, Satan demanded. You've failed. Doesn't that sound interesting? He turned to the angel of death. So. Is he, is he dead? The angel of death by this time was squirming in the corner. Well, said Satan, no, I, 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 I looked inside the tomb and he was gone. What do you mean gone? I heard people yelling, he's risen, he's risen, he's risen. Just at that moment, that very moment, Jesus walked in. And said four words, four words, give me the keys, give me the keys. You know, today as we come around communion time, we can be assured, absolutely assured, Jesus is very much alive. We serve a risen Lord, a risen Savior, not some dead one not some made of stone or wooden, but a very much alive one. And secondly, he now has the keys of the kingdom. And he's paid for our sin. Plus, he has also made a spectacle of Satan at the cross. He's done that. He defeated him once and for all. And Jesus has passed on those keys to us. He's passed them on to us. Isn't that wonderful? that we have the keys, the keys of the kingdom. Let me read in 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat. Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of that bread right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for your body that was broken, that human body that was broken, marred beyond description for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your body. 
Thank you for this bread that we've eaten of that symbolically represents that beautiful body of Jesus, the bread of life. Come, Lord Jesus, continue to bring that life. In the same manner, he also took the cup. And after supper said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Can I just say this before we partake of the cup? It not only tells us and proclaims the Lord's death, but it also reaffirms that he's risen. He's alive and we serve a risen saviour. And he's in the world today because he's in within each and every one of us by his spirit. So, Lord, we thank you for this cup. Thank you for what it represents, the precious blood of Jesus shed for us. And, Lord, right from the foundation of the earth, you said without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And, Lord, you talked about the spotless lamb that needed to be given. And Lord John the Baptist was able to proclaim, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You are that spotless Lamb. Thank you for the healing of your blood. Thank you for the forgiveness of your blood in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.